So my name is David O'Driscoll. I am a former volunteer with the RNLI in my local town, Castellanbear, and I'm now a watch officer with the Irish Coast Guard, coordinating search and rescue missions around the, uh, the southwest Irish coastline. My family were always involved in the RNLI. The, the lifeboat first came about two weeks after I was born. So we were always connected with it. But growing up in my grandmother's house, um, the radio was always on in the corner. So we were always listening to the Coast Guard, listening to the fishing boats. Um, so we were always had the awareness from that point of view. And then when I was only about three years old, my father became the lifeboat coxswain. So I suppose we, we always knew what dad's job was and what it involved. And from a young age, uh, when they used to do the open days down at the lifeboat to show people around, show the capabilities of the boat, dad used to bring me down and get me to show people around. And I was only a small fella, but I loved going around and showing people. And I suppose, yeah, from a very early age, we, we were very much involved. Like on a couple of occasions growing up, we would have been inside my grandmother's house when the pagers would go off for the, for the lifeboat crew. And we'd straight away hear it on the radios. So we'd all be gathered around listening to the radio inside in the kitchen and waiting to hear. And next thing you'd hear my father's voice talking to Valencia Coast Guard. And obviously we recognised Dad straight away. And we always obviously wondered about the Coast Guard as well, and who the man at the end of the radio was talking away to them. Uh, but it, it quite reminds me of the song uh, Phil Coulter had, um, Home From The Sea. and. When, it, when the words are, they gathered in pairs at the foot of the stairs to wait for the radio call. And that was very much what our family was like. Joe all gathered around and waiting to hear what was happening and if they all uh, made it back okay. My grandfather would have been a lifeboat coxswain down in Baltimore, which is uh, a couple of hours by uh, by lifeboat essentially from where we are in Castletown Bear. So he would have been in Coxon down there. But because of the fishing industry in Castletown Bear, my grandfather and all his brothers moved to to Castletown Bear and it was a big fishing port. One night there was a really bad storm coming up to uh, Christmas back in 1968. And this vessel left, uh, the Seaflower left Kilmacalogue which is up Khmer River. And they headed out in the weather. It was very bad weather. And at some stage, they decided, we can't do this, we're going to turn back. And because the weather was so bad, when they turned back, I think they got either a bit lost or something happened with the bad weather. And they ended up going up in the rocks. So everyone became aware quite quickly of what was happening. But the nearest lifeboat, was two hours away either side so you had Valencia two hours north of us and Baltimore two hours south there was nothing in Castletown Bear at the time so my grandmother my grandfather uh, a good lot of my granduncles I think about four of them uh, all went out searching along with other people and they were searching all along the coast and eventually down on one of the beaches they saw the uh, the bodies washed up on the beach so everyone everyone's lives were lost on that night and it was just a couple of days before christmas if i remember correctly so the funerals were all around christmas time so it was it was an awful tragedy 
that's when it really triggered with my family because my grandfather was a coxswain, but he was now living in Castleton Bear. There was no lifeboat here. So my grandmother started campaigning um, back in 1968 and she put a lot of work into fundraisers. They did all sorts of things like uh, sponsored haircuts, uh, fortune telling, dinner dances, you name it, she did it. She kept that going for about 30 years, just under 30 years, 29 years, I think. Every year from when we were very small, as we were all gathered outside the door, she'd be handing us all buckets and stickers and we'd be sent up to town on, on the flag day, the, the festival of the sea in Castleton Bear. And we'd all be going around and we'd be, at the time we didn't appreciate it, we'd be, we'd be raging because we just wanted to go to the fun fair and go on the rides and stuff and hang out with our friends. But our grandmother had us out with buckets and stickers and, you know, trying to gather a bit of money. But as we got older, we appreciated what it was all for. And eventually, in 1997, they got a lifeboat. But there was a lot of campaigning and uh, a lot of work put in by her. But it all started with the seaflower tragedy. That was the real turning point where they decided we need the lifeboat because we can't be waiting two hours either side for a lifeboat to come. Growing up, obviously I knew my grandfather had been involved with lifeboats and I saw old black and white photos. And then we grew up with dad on as the coxswain. I have two siblings, a brother and a sister, that both joined the lifeboat when they came of age around 17, 18. And uh, I joined in as well when I when I turned 18. Um, so we were all volunteering at one point. And it, it's quite a close community because the mechanic is a cousin, another one of the crew members is a cousin, the launch authority is a is a cousin. So we're all connected like it. Like to be honest, you could send a lifeboat out and have the full thing done with one family. It was we're just all involved in it. Um, so yeah, I did it for a couple of years um, before I went away to sea um, for my training as a deck officer. But it was, a, it was a great experience and it really kind of set me up for, for going to sea. At the moment, I work for the Irish Coast Guard in the Marine Rescue Coordination Centre, which is located in Valencia Island. Uh, there's three in the country, one in Donegal and one in Dublin, and then the other one down in Valencia Island in Kerry. And we coordinate all the rescues from Slinehead in County Galway down to Ballycotton in uh, Cork. So we cover quite a, an expansive area and out to 200 miles to sea. So if any vessel is in distress, if there's a mayday call, uh, an injured crew member, a vessel sinking, um, or even if it's a swimmer in the water or a kayaker, you name it, if it's on the water, we'll coordinate the rescue, start to rescue helicopters, lifeboats, Coast Guard units. And uh, we, we work very closely with other uh, agencies such as the Gardaí, the ambulance service, the fire service, and, and then also with our colleagues in the UK, with the UK Coast Guard. So we work very closely with them because the, the UK surrounds uh, the Irish Coast Guard's search and rescue region. So quite often we'll have a situation where there's a vessel 60 miles, 70 miles south, and it's actually within the UK's search and rescue region. But they'll contact us and say, you have the nearest resources can you coordinate and then we'll coordinate the rescue. So we work very closely with them. So I suppose from my side of things, it's growing up in my grandmother's house and listening to the radio and wondering who that person was at the other end of the radio talking to my dad. And now that person is me. A couple of times in my short time with the Coast Guard, I've actually had to task our own lifeboat in, in Castletown Bear. And when I pick up the phone and I ring, the lifeboat operations manager is my, school, my old school principal. And if I'm not talking to him, I'm talking to a, a first cousin 
our next door neighbor just on the road. So we're all very closely connected. And then when the lifeboat goes out, we're maintaining comms with them and passing coordinates and uh, information. And I'm talking to a next door neighbor who is now the lifeboat coxswain. Um, he was my next door neighbor growing up. So it, it's great to know who's at the under, other end of the radio when you're talking to them. Uh, and I suppose it's peace of mind, you know, that these lads are extremely well trained. I suppose initially, when you get the call, you, you always have that sense of, you know, that, that feeling in your stomach of, okay, what are we going to do here? And you, you really hope you make the right decision. And in one hand, you get a great sense of pride because, you know, you've worked with these people before, you know them very well, and it's great to be able to be involved with the common goal of saving people's lives. But at the same time, there's that other side where you're hoping you're making the right decision by sending them out there. And given the weather conditions and all that, you don't want to put people's lives unnecessarily at risk. So from our side of things in the Coast Guard, we're trying to gather as much information as we can to build a bigger picture and make sure we're making the correct decisions when we're sending those people out there. And especially when you know them so well, you know, you want to, you want to look after them as best you can. From our training, um, when I was a crew member, you know the capabilities of the boat, you know all the equipment it has on board. Um, at home here in Castleton Bear, we have the Severn class lifeboat, which is the biggest lifeboat in the RNLI, uh, a very capable boat. So I suppose we know the limitations, we know what the crew are able to do. So you can assess then when you gather the information on the incident, you gather the information and you know, is it more appropriate to send a lifeboat, to send a helicopter? What's the best resource and what are they capable of doing? So without having that prior experience, I suppose you don't have that insight. You can, people can always tell you and say this is what they can do but unless you've actually been out there in the weather yourself um, it's very hard to know and appreciate that. Hello, this is Louise Minchin. You've been listening to the RNLI's 200 Voices Collection. To hear more remarkable stories, head to rnli.org slash 200 voices or subscribe to RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Two Hundred Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.